0: All right, here we go. Ladies
1: and gentlemen, the winner of this contest now, you intercepted at Montreal, Ricky Paul Krogan.
0: Okay, we'll start out with a little bitty tribute to great WWE WWF ring announcer Howard Finkel. He passed away uh, last week at the age of 73. And a lot of uh, memories of those of us that grew up on WWF are of Howard Finkel and that trademark uh, saying and new world heavyweight champion or new intercontinental champion or whatever. Uh, He always felt that his announcement should be uh, something as significant and something that boosted the significance of the person finally achieving their dream of being a champion. So there's to Howard Finkel. Thank you for the memories. Uh, Doc from The Break Wall is joining us. How are you doing tonight? Doing great, Big
1: John. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for everybody who has been migrating from your broadcast over to my podcast, the Breakwall. Uh, you can follow us on social media at uh, Twitter, the Breakwall Two, and Facebook page,
0: the Breakwall Two. So, thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, good deal. So, um, let's jump right into some things here. Hey, before um, we
1: jump right into oh, something,
0: yeah, go ahead.
1: Can I throw you a curveball? Sure. I, I, can't, I can't see the uh, topic list, so I'm not sure if this was on there. But do you recall back in 2009 when President Obama and the Democrats gave us stimulus and son of stimulus, about a trillion, $2 trillion or thereabouts, and we all flipped out. They, were, they, they weren't handing out necessarily cash to people like they are right now as a result of this COVID-19 and the states shutting down the economies. Um, there was a song that was done by a group from Norwalk, Ohio. Oh, gosh. Uh, it, was okay. called, it was called Mudbone is the name of the group. Mudbone. Uh, Bill Gherkin and Phil Yangchar. And if you oh. remember uh, during our previous podcast that we did for 11 years, Uh, We played this song, and I have it from the archives if you'd like to hear it. If we're going to poke fun at Obama and the checks that he sent to people and the cell phones that he sent to people, uh, is it not appropriate that maybe we could poke a little fun at the Donald at the same time?
0: Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All
1: right, here it is. Here is from Mudbone. Send me my check, Obama. Version. Send me my check, Trump. To manage the public's dollars will be held to account to spend wisely. One,
0: two, one, two, three, four. Well, send me my check, Obama. Trump. I can't
1: my mama. So send me that check in the like with Dalai
0: Lama. Oh, you send me, <laughs> so me that check you me that check You you can't get away my style. Oh, send me that check right. My phone never in the, the crowd. Oh, send
1: me a that check You won't say it the papers. And those little wackers. <laughs> my house is I expect it
0: down the bay and out of big three. Like a soda, a tree. On the big green, I can a giant tree, which is the of the truth. But the truth can get me started about a guy I'm a little to my and I'm watching the stock market take. And I'm a to my neighbor, Man,
1: and I'll be there in line, down send me a check, Obama, send me a check, Obama, send me a check, Obama, Mudbone from Norwalk, Ohio, the Norwalk truckers, send me my check, Obama, I think we could rewrite it, send me my check, Trump, everything else. The more things change, the more they seem to stay the same.
0: Yeah, yeah this is uh, pretty interesting. It's kind of, um, you know, most people got their check that had direct deposit. And then I uh, through after a bunch of glitches on the IRS website, finally got signed up for my direct deposit uh, the next day, like last Wednesday or something. Uh i haven't seen anything show up in my bank account yet there's you know something on there that uh you know it's on its way or something when I check to see the status but uh anyway yeah, very very interesting uh how things changed from you know people kind of lambasting basting. Obama to now Republicans are, you know, all for this and uh, so on and so forth. I guess we're going to get a second check. But it was my recollection that from the beginning, they said we would get a check uh, April 6th and then another one May 15th. So I think they're just kind of stringing us along here that this second or fourth or whatever phase it is was in the works all along they just kind of broke it up because they didn't know what direction this thing was going to go in so um but i don't i think honestly now that economies are starting to open back up and you know some are ready to go uh, as some are going i don't think we need this I don't think we need a second stimulus um, unless they we're going to get it. (laughs) Yeah. We're getting it. Whether we, I mean, I'm going to take it. I'm not going to send it back unless they keep it for my taxes that I owe. But uh, that's another set of affairs, but um, (laughs) you know, it's like, you know, if I think restaurants and bars are going to be the last things to come back online and that's why they're doing this second round, just like, uh, you know, the waitresses and tipped employees still haven't gotten their $600 that they were promised. There's going to come out like in this week's set of uh, it, what do you call it? Unemployment checks. It's going to be added in there and it's going to be retroactive I spent a day last week because my mom is one of those tipped employees and, you know, bugging everybody like, hey, why are there these problems? Why are they taking so long to get the extra six hundred dollars out? Is it going to be retroactive if it was slow in getting to the states Um, and things of that nature? So
1: Well, one of the problems in Ohio, and it's not unique, other states are in the same boat, is the uh, online infrastructure to process these payments. It's very old computer software. And my spies tell me that in Ohio, the software dates back to 2004. So imagine having a 2004 cell phone or a 2004 laptop or desktop trying to navigate the Internet.
0: Yeah, what was it, like a... Uh, Houston said the other day the name of the computer program they were working off of and was like DOS or something <laughs> like really old. I mean, like the stuff we we learned in high school or elementary school before there was even an internet. Yeah, what
1: is it? Are they running <laughs> Apple Two E at this point? Um, I guess. Well, it, it, so, you, know, uh, you have to ask yourself with all of the hundreds of millions, if not billions, of dollars over the years that have been spent in the Department of Job and Family Services, uh, where was the computer upgrades?
0: Right. Yeah. Where, where was that? I mean, you would think that would be a priority. Uh, You know, I, I have my issues with uh, everybody saying that this was something unexpected and that the, the total shutdown of the economy nobody ever thought that would happen uh, even in a pandemic but if you watched good television like the History Channel or the Discovery Channel and read you know scientific literature which I, I mean I don't read like a lot of scientific literature but if there's something interesting in the newspaper you know in the medical or scientific field I'll, I'll read it. They've been predicting this for a long time, and you know SARS, the two flus and the Ebola, were like precursors, and uh, you know Obama and George Bush never overstocked or restocked our national stockpile of medical equipment. Uh, you know, States never upgraded their medical infrastructure to where hospitals could communicate to one another. And, you know, we're luckily enough to live in a state, no matter what you think of Mike DeWine or Amy Acton right now, they are up, They have upgraded a lot in a short amount of time. They've given hospitals better ability to communicate to one another. They started making their own uh, swabs based on, you know, a, a, a computer 3D printer program. Uh, you know, come up with all this stuff uh, in a very short amount of time. So, well,
1: you know, post nine eleven, we certainly thought about different ways that we could be attacked. And President Bush, in fact, was very worried about a, a germ attack, uh, not not only a germ attack, biological attack, but also just the uh, idea of a virus, a pandemic breaking loose in the country. And to be sure. Uh, we've had one now, it seems like every two years for the past decade or so. Uh, SARS, swine flu, COVID-19, Ebola, something has happened. It seems like every two years or so. And the last time that we went through this was under Obama. And, uh, you know, thousands of people were infected. Uh, A fair amount of people died. Um, And they just you know, got a hold of the national stockpile and just there was nothing strategic about it. They just sent everything out as fast as they could, you know, in like a CYA moment. Uh, you know, Trump is being criticized because he's not doing enough. Then he's being criticized because he's doing too much um, or he's too slow or he's, you know, over. He was too quick to act on uh, banning the Chinese, too slow to act on the test. Fact of the matter is, he's done a pretty damn good job considering that he's got a bunch of people working for him that have, you know, scared the country to death uh, over, you know, some models that have turned out to be flat wrong. But he's also right. handled this in a responsible way is not to totally ignore the fact that there is uh, a virus here in this country that has the potential to to get people sick and to kill people. And instead of just, you know, ignoring it on one hand that some people want to do, um, you know, just pretend that it doesn't exist. Or on the other hand, like the governor of New York, who just simply wants, you know, supplies to be crapped out from Washington to the first state that asked for it and no strategic uh, allotment uh, considered. Well, Trump's done a pretty good job of mitigating that and was left with a system that was depleted from Obama and their carelessness and dealing with a couple pandemics that they had to deal with. And never restocking it. Plus, as you said, dealing with the situation where no one anticipated um, in in any kind of scenario to plan for. You really frankly couldn't uh, something of this nature.
0: Yeah, and that uh, kind of brings me to we'll skip to topic number four I was thinking of. You know, does, does Trump take the media's questions too personal or the criticisms? And today a reporter asked him directly that question. Um, She said, you know, you bring up that, you know, everybody complained about ventilators and not enough ventilators and you weren't doing enough for ventilators. Now you're criticizing us for asking questions about testing and why there isn't more testing and all of this. Well, you know, these things were not on hand. And the way Trump responded to that was, you know, I'm not just sticking up for myself. I'm sticking up for all these people on the stage that haven't slept in days, that have been uh, on conference calls, doing research, you know, coming up with a plan where no plan existed. And so he kind of handled it that way. But he does. One thing he gets criticized for is, you know, his. thin skinned I guess you could say. Do you think he's too thin-skinned, or how do you think he's, his handling of the media is going? Well,
1: some people will say it's thin-skinned. I say that he just defends himself, and he's not shy about it. You know, we're so used to politicians in the country, you know, operating in a certain way. We're used to the media being able to control a narrative, especially when it comes to Republican presidents and Republican politicians generally they're able to bully people around. They're able to, you know, uh, box them into a corner and ask a bunch of gotcha questions. And the Republican, uh, once they see that they're cornered, they just, you know, kiss up and and try to be friendly. Trump is not that kind of person. And so some people, you know, take that as being thin skinned. I take it as this is an aggressive defender of the people that work for him and his administration and his his approach to business and government. And And he's, you know, going to defend it when he feels that he's in the right
0: yeah i the other day he showed a video and i don't know it might have been jim acosta somebody said well that looked like a campaign ad but if you watch the the white house feed on youtube which is where i go for these press conferences um uh, CNN and all of them have stopped covering these conferences which I think is a travesty in journalism but he showed that video and as the video was playing he was you know pointing at people in the audience and pointing to the screen uh, as you know the timeline was going of when when he did this and when he did that and when people said this or that. And you kind of had to see that other feed of it though, to see him, you know, giving the evil eye sort of to uh, the different people out there and things like that. Well, you know, the media
1: is so used to getting their way and controlling a narrative that, you know, Trump now has them on tape and, you know, it's Mm. never been widely thrown in their face. It's usually maybe Rush Limbaugh or, or Sean Hannity or some other talk radio person in that sphere of uh, conservative uh, media. But Trump took the words of the media about downplaying this early on. That This isn't a, a big deal. Pelosi saying, come on out to Chinatown in San Francisco. Yeah. You know, we have this under control. And indeed, you know, Trump acted early and then, Partially because of China covering things up and the World Health Organization covering things up, people were of the opinion that, OK, maybe this is manageable. And that's what the media is seizing on, is that, that, that uh, trough there in between Trump's initial uh, actions to close the border and to restrict travel to when things really picked up at the beginning and middle of March. They think somehow Trump wasn't taking it serious. Well, nobody else was either. Uh, And if anyone was taking it serious from the beginning, it was Trump. And he showed that while he was taking decisive action and putting a plan into place at the federal level, to the extent that they can, uh, the media was going around
0: saying no big deal. Right. Yeah. That, that was exactly it. And then, you know, I was one of those that, you know, at first, I mean, I'm not the media of course, but you know, on Facebook and stuff, I'm like, take a chill pill people. This is like, The flu or a cold and, you know, some people are going to get sick and things are going to happen and some people, unfortunately, will die. But, you know, even like a nurse friend of mine, she said, you know, you're more likely to die in a car accident. Come on, you know, and and it's true for 80 percent of us. Well, really, like 90 percent of us we're more likely to die in a car accident than from this virus. Now, if you're in your 80s and you're a diabetic and you have high blood pressure, yeah, you get pneumonia or the flu or uh, coronavirus, you're going to possibly not live. And, you know, we don't like to say that, but, you know, that's this whole thing called life ends in death at some point. Well, moreover, it comes
1: down to, I think both of us will agree and most people will agree (sighs) that. When politicians were presented uh, with a with a data set from credible sources that originally called for some of the most jaw-dropping statistics you could ever imagine, millions of people dead in the country, uh, hundreds of thousands right. of people infected, uh, thousands of people in individual states, you're going to take action. And that's a rational thing to do. And I would expect that any person that's a leader, uh, would want to take some kind of precautions up front. So uh, the the problem is, though, is that that data and those models, as we've gone along, have not panned out. Now, some people will say, well, that's because of the social distancing. Well, as we're finding out, this virus, this Wuhan virus, COVID-19, has probably been around a lot longer than what we all uh, are under the impression. And that, that right. many people have this and don't know it and just were never sick or had it, got sick and recovered. The key thing, then this is a point that is really important. The key thing to look at here as the, the, the positive tests spike and as they calibrate the way that they're counting these tests, not necessarily just confirmed, but suspected or probable. So they're adding those figures in, which is another story, but it's the hospitalization rate, ICUs, in a lot of cases are, are in states, those are remaining flat or going down. So the cases are going up. More and more people have it. But as the hospitalization, the ICU and the death uh, fatality rates all kind of stable out a little bit, uh, you're seeing that effect called herd immunity, that people are able to deal right. with this, that antibodies are being developed internally to have it and to and to uh, be able to deal with it. And furthermore, the longer that we're in a lockdown, when we could be dealing with this in a more um, in, a, in, a, in a less uh, restrictive manner, the less we are able as human beings to develop a uh, immunity towards this to the degree that you can. Because uh, we're, we're I mean, there's two ways to deal with this. You just keep us locked down until a vaccine comes up in two years or you allow us to integrate into society and anticipate a natural spike in tests, a positive test and see how it goes with social distancing. You know, maybe the bars open up or restaurants open up, but instead of 100 people, there's 50 people allowed in.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's you know, I think In the masks, uh, social way.
1: for God's sake In, yeah, drink. What, uh, wear <laughs> a damn mask. Am I allowed to say that? It's not a big deal. I, I don't understand these protesters that are out protesting and are not wearing masks. Look, I get it. You're upset. But this virus is here. Okay. And you should at least have a mask on to do to do something. And you know, these people that are showing up to these protests with guns and open carry, I don't understand oh, that either. But if you're gonna
0: Yeah, that's just it stupid. is dumb.
1: And frankly, I think it's dumb to be flying Trump uh campaign stuff at these at these uh protests. You know, Trump is for the the process that's going on here. He's technically not for what you're saying at this point. But in any event, you know <laughs> it's weird. But in any event, these people, if they're going to be out protesting, you know, I don't think anyone's civil rights are being taken away here civil liberties to to the degree that they're claiming there is some restrictions, but at least put a mask on. It's not that big of a deal to wear a mask. I have a mask and I wear it when I go outside. And that's not very often because I'm trying to do what is recommended at this point. It's 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 frustrating i don't think it's all completely necessary but i'm i'm kind of going along with it right now
0: yeah i think you know the one-way aisles at the grocery stores and the six-foot distance marks on the floors need to stay there for a while maybe till there's a vaccine uh (laughs) frankly i don't like going to the store and having the jackass behind me breathing down my neck anyways. Uh, I mean, and that's during a, you know, a clean health season, you know, or those close talkers that have to, you know, like Seinfeld, where they get an inch away from your face while they're having a conversation. (laughs) Uh, So those are all, you know, good things. And I think this brings us to one of the big things I want to talk about is, Now that we know this, I mean, we've always known it came from China. Uh, And just a quick recap of how we got from point A to point Z. You know, this clearly started in China, even though they tried to blame our military. Uh, The virus was kept covered up and is probably still being covered up by China. Uh, People like the doctor who tried to warn the world were arrested and quite possibly killed, then how did it start in China? First, we're told it's people were eating bats out of this wet market and they contracted the virus from the bats. Now, lately, we're being told that this virus might have come from a laboratory 40 miles from Wuhan. So how did it get from the lab to the wet market? And was it intentional or not? Uh, Maybe some employees from the laboratory were selling dogs and bats and things out the back door to the wet markets. Um, And that brings me to my point. You know, should China be punished for this virus uh, because they kept it under wraps? I've heard that Wuhan is back under lockdown and they're not telling, trying not to tell the world, but how should China be punished by who, you know, who investigates the China cover-up? the World Health Organization, the United Nations, or a coalition of countries led by the United States? And how should China be punished if they're found guilty of covering up a virus that spread to the world? And what if the Chinese government intentionally spread the virus? Um, So what what are your thoughts? I mean, how do we address China and how they've dealt with this, how they spread this to the world? I mean, that's just what it boils down to. Tom
1: Cotton, the senator from uh, Arkansas, was on Fox and Friends uh, last Friday, and, and here's what he had to say. He said the circumstantial evidence, and this backs up with what you're talking about, The circumstantial evidence, which I began to cite in January, is stacking up pretty quickly that the virus may have originated in those labs in Wuhan. We knew from the very beginning that the Chinese Communist Party's front story about the food market was probably wrong. For one, it appears that they don't even sell the kind of bats at the market from which this virus originated, and two, Chinese scientists, an authoritative study as early as January found that about a third of the early cases had not contact with the food market whatsoever. So a third of the cases of people weren't even at the market. We know that China has a very sloppy history of laboratory safety. Some of our own diplomats at the embassies in China went to these labs as far back as two years ago and said the shape, the practices there were very alarming. And you can see how the Chinese Communist Party has continued to lie about this from the very beginning, as if they have something to cover up. If that's the case, it really is the biggest, costliest, the most deadliest cover-up in the history of mankind. So it appears, at least as far as Tom Cotton, the senator from Arkansas, is concerned, um, that this wasn't something that started in a food market. It probably wasn't a bio, an intentional biological attack. But what it was is a situation where China has a, a sloppy safety record in laboratories and was messing around with a bunch of crap, maybe even trying to, um, you know, inject something in their society. I mean, they got a billion people over there, um, you know, to kind of maybe spread something, but yet keep it contained to show how advanced they are and how advanced their health care is. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a lot of possibilities, but it seems like the strongest strain here, the strongest possibility is that they were just reckless in some of their scientific experiments and it got out and they didn't want anybody to know about it. And the World Health Organization, an institution that we fund millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars to support through the United Nations, covered up. The fact that this was a highly contagious and potentially deadly virus that spreads quickly with no known vaccine and that it was all over China and that we should have taken uh, precautions uh, well before we did. And so there's a conspiracy within the World Health Organization and there, sh- there is a conspiracy and an investigation that's needed with inside of China and their government to the extent that we'll ever get the truth there.
0: Yeah, this, it's something that we have to, you know, investigate. We have to find, you know, point A in the, in the problem and find out how we're going to deal with that. You know, what, uh, you know, what do you do with China? I mean, is... Well, what you do, you slap idea- a bunch of sanctions on them.
1: Once you're able to determine what Senator Cotton is saying is fact. You just, you, you've got to come down on them hard. They cannot get away with this. We have, um, you know, in the United States right now, um, in the United States right now, the Internet's acting... A little slow, it may not come up. Uh, 42,514 deaths confirmed. That's 129 deaths, oh, well, basically 130 deaths per 1 million people. Now, that's all very low in terms of other countries and for the deaths per 1 million. And the 42,000 number is about. 200,000 lower than where they thought we would be right now. So that's a high number. That's a real people. But fortunately, it's a lot lower. Bottom line is, though, it shouldn't even be that. And and the, you look at the other countries, Italy, 24,000 deaths, Spain, 20,000. I mean, it adds up. And this is all on China. This is completely and totally all on them and their uh, co-conspirators uh, at the World Health Organization. These these people have a lot of, of questions to answer. And if they're not going to answer the questions that be forthcoming, then slap a bunch of economic sanctions on them. And, 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 you know, and there are also there's rumors or some talk that they tried to corner the market on some of this medical equipment.
0: Yeah. They tried to withhold drug, uh, antibiotics and medicine from the United States at least. Um, and that, you know, brings up another point is, I mean, is Trump and company doing are Trump and company doing the right thing, uh, bringing jobs like medical manufacturing, manufacturing of, um, you know things like respirators and that back to the United States and should we just you know should American companies wake up and bring a lot of manufacturing back you know what happens if another outbreak or when another outbreak happens uh, what happens when you know we go to war with one of these countries that has a corner on our manufacturing sector Uh, you know things of that nature I mean We've already gotten our energy independence away from the Middle East, finally. And now, should we bring our manufacturing and infrastructure back from China? I mean, wouldn't that be a logical next step and also be a kind of a punishment to China for this? Well, it's not the first
1: time that we've had to deal with contaminated materials coming into the country that were manufactured in China. If you Google um Florida Chinese drywall. you will see, read about an instance where some drywall from China came into the state of Florida and caused a sickness outbreak. Um, this is what you get with uh, globalization and free trade when you start to employ people in you know undeveloped areas. and China is, you know, for all that it has, there's a lot of people that don't have a lot or anything. I mean, they still live in mud huts and plow fields and ox and cart in many parts of China, Uh, the vast majority of China. I mean, outside of Hong Kong and Beijing and and some other major uh, ports, cities, the vast majority of the countryside is beyond rural. It's beyond anything that we have in this country. And so a lot of these factories um, are in those areas. Uh, and they pay their people next to nothing and they produce what they produce. And so if, um, you know, there is health concerns, um, then that can get and contaminate into the product. In addition, just the global travel, there can be problems, you know, um, when you have, you know, people traveling all over the the, the globe on, on business and, uh, you know, even vacations, or things like that. So, It it, it makes more sense to employ Americans to make things for Americans. Uh, Now, there's going to be a cost factor there. You know, the cost is going to go up. Uh, But we all know the quality is better than anything that can be produced around the world. And now, with all of this, even though this looks like it might be something that's more of a government experiment gone wrong, it at least puts back on the table the conversation that, uh, we need to be doing more in this country for Americans. And, and, and so if you get a stimulus check, why don't you take the time before you go out and buy something and make sure you're buying the product made in America. Now, I'm told by my spies that if there's not a tag on the, of the article that you're looking to get uh, there, there is a barcode. And if the barcode begins with zeros, it's made in the United States. If it begins with sixes, it's made in China. I don't know if that's true. But hmm. um we need to be if you get this stimulus check and as we get the economy back going, I tell you what I'm 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 only if I can if I have a choice, I'm buying American.
0: Yeah, I think you know if there's uh you know, an option for American goods. And, you know, you can find it easier now than ever because you have the internet to, you know, search for things, you know, you can search, you know, t-shirts or, you know, this or that made in America and, you know, find it easier now than, you know, before, you know, 10 years ago, you just had to go to the store and buy what they had on the shelf. So, that's definitely something that's been going viral on the internet that I've seen, you know, memes of, you know, spend your stimulus, stimulus money buying American and, and all that, you know, I think, you know, going out and supporting local restaurants and businesses that are on you know your main street in your neighborhood that you know are locally owned is another way of doing that, you know, um, whatever it might be you know even if it's just a family diner you know they're going to need that money more than Arby's or uh, Bob Evans the chain restaurants Um, so I don't know what uh, well that's getting off topic of China but you know do how do we investigate the United Nations and you know see what their role in all of this was do we form uh, another committee It's going to have to be some coalition Of nations other than The US to Go after you know the World Health Organization and the UN Who were you know definitely Partners in keeping this covered Up
1: yeah it's not it's going to be something That isn't going to be solved you know In in a year or two Years or whatever because All of these people are going to be CYA in it all the way to the bank and to Protect themselves mm-hmm. But there, there needs to be an investigation uh, and the fact that this is a global pandemic that has affected just about everybody. There might be consensus to do an honest investigation, but there, there needs to be uh, an investigation into the World Health Organization, into the United Nations itself, and to, to, under, to look at you know, who's China paying off, uh, who, who do they really control, follow the money. Remember that. Follow the money.
0: Right. No, that's absolutely 100% true. Um, You know, where the money goes, I mean, China is the world health and UN's biggest contributor next to the United States. And, you know, for some reason, they play ball with China more than they do the US, whatever reason that would be. Um, But... We got to do something to make sure this doesn't happen again. And I think, honestly, you know, the Chinese communists are going to be the Chinese communists for as long as, you know, the people of China let them. Uh, I mean, it's a very repressive regime, even though their economy is more like capitalist with a dictatorship over top of it. And it's very hard for the people to rise up. I think you know somebody pointed out the other day when we talk about we can't stand China. It's we're really talking about the Chinese government that we hate, not the, necessarily the person and you know plow in the field with an ox, like you were saying. Uh, you know those people don't hurt us. It's the Chinese government that's trying to catch up to the United States. And, you know, they're maybe doing sloppy scientific investigation or scientific work uh, in these laboratories just because they want to, you know, come up with uh, antibiotics or cures and things faster than the United States can. Um, So there's going to have to be something. And I think this whole mess has kind of shown that Uh, a government and private sector partnership works better than just big government because there's no country that's got a more controlling government than China and they let it spread to the world. Now, when it got out to the rest of the world, the World Health Organization was supposed to organize and respond to it and they didn't. Every individual company had to fare for themselves. Um, and if anything, they're coming to the United States they're gonna now want for money. help. Right? Why? <laughs> yeah, they're going to want money. They're going to want, you know, the, Trump is, you know, like we're sending respirators out to other countries now. We're going to have a surplus we can put back in the strategic stockpile and all these things. And it's, Like, the the nations just coming together without the UN, United Nations, there to help is working better than, you know, going through the United Nations, which is what the United Nations is supposed to be there for. It's supposed to be there for, uh, well, would prevent world wars was the original intention, but now it's grown into a humongous governmental thing, and... It's so look, ineffective. We, we need to be able and to so, take
1: care of ourselves. To hell with the United Nations. I mean, they serve a purpose. We uh, work through the international order. But, w- you know, the lessons of this pandemic are we need to really up our ability for health deliverables, healthcare deliverables. That's health care reform, not this socialized medicine, right. not this ideological nonsense that the Democrats uh, have been pushing down our throat for the last 25 years uh, 30 years or so since Clinton tried it. Um, you know, this, this is more than insurance. You know, if you can't get the healthcare devices and services and deliverables and doctors and the technology to actually treat people, it doesn't matter what the hell kind of insurance coverage you have. So, you know, so that's number one, we've got to improve the actual healthcare capacity, hospital beds, doctors, uh, those kinds of, uh, you know, deliverable things that that really make a difference when you have a situation like this even though you can't ever pro- project a situation like this down the road you know number 2 take care of ourselves you know replenish supply stay on top of these things number 3 more importantly don't overreact to worst case scenario models down the road we have to we have to be able to balance out healthcare needs and economic needs, as because this is going to happen again, and it may even happen again within the next year with this very virus. So we can't just go around shutting things down for a month or two months at a time. And and moreover to that, the Associated Press here, uh, they're starting to pick this up. Uh, A flood of new research suggests that far more people have had the coronavirus, the Wuhan flu, without any symptoms, fueling hope that it will turn out to be much less lethal than originally feared. While it's good news, it also means it's impossible to know who around you may be contagious. That complicates decisions about returning to work, school, and normal life. But to be sure, uh, that's the balanced view here. But to be sure, we're not seeing hospitalizations spike. We're not seeing ICU spike. We're not seeing death rates spike. We're seeing cases spike. But it may be very less lethal than we originally feared. But there are going to have to be some adjustments. But that doesn't mean we should be locked up in our houses for another two, four, six, or however many weeks, you know, just because there isn't a vaccine. You know, we flattened the curve. By definition, how do you then say it's still dangerous out? What what evidence are you giving me that says it's still dangerous? It's concerning but it's not anything that we can't live with and can't deal with.
0: No, you're you're right about that and you know it's it's positive that this may be may not be as lethal as we thought and we know it's more contagious than other illnesses okay we get that and the incubation period of you know 14 days sometimes uh, and I'm not sure that that's always 100% accurate, but let's say it takes two weeks for this to develop in your body and then for you to develop cyst, uh, symptoms. You know, that that all is worrisome, but the fact that we're not seeing the hospitals overrun, hospitals have been laying off employees now uh, because they've built up a lot, a bunch of, employees that are um well they're preparing for the big spike and all this and that didn't occur so you know i think you know we need to build up our medical infrastructure like you're saying and be prepared and hospitals need to be able to communicate to each other where you know if you're at hospital a and hospital b is 20 miles away or whatever Hospital A is reaching its capacity, but hospital B is, you know, at half capacity. They need to know that instantly. So then hospital A can direct, you know, patients to hospital B. That's kind of something that Dr. Acton and governor DeWine have worked on and gotten where, you know, there are like eight regions in Ohio and now the doctors and hospitals can, communicate better to one another as to, you know, well, do you have an extra respirator that we can borrow? Can, do you have extra beds? Do you have extra staff? You know, and so they can, hospitals can communicate. And so drug companies can communicate and work on things a lot easier and cutting through FDA red tape seems to be another aspect of this that we're learning that maybe it doesn't take as much, it shouldn't take as much to get a new medicine approved or a medicine approved for off-label use where, you know, your doctor thinks, well, this medicine works well on this virus. Why don't we try it on this virus? Like the uh, the famous... Uh, what the heck it called? Chlor- oxy- chlor- hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, that. You know, you know, I mean, it's, it's not a wonder drug, but it's working wonders against this illness, it seems like, you know, just uh, in that regard, it seems to uh, it w- seems to work, you know, that with the zithromycin and the zinc, you know, and there are a lot of herbal remedies out there too that you can use to boost your immune system. And that's what it takes to beat this. It's your immune system that has to ultimately beat these viruses. Well,
1: that's right. Yeah. It's just so, going to take some time. It's going to take time, but and, we also you know, it's to no, no.
0: Away. Oh yeah. And I'm starting to see, um, you know, Fast food restaurants, I don't know what they've been told, but evidently May 1st is the date. I know May 1st is the date Governor DeWine is set for reopening. Uh, I don't know what's been sent out to the restaurant industry, but I see a lot of restaurants with signs on their billboard of hiring all positions. So those employees that were laid off, uh, or maybe getting called back to work or you know, restaurants are looking to get reopened May first. So, you know, well, that's a good sign. Bill Cunningham there.
1: from seven hundred WLW in Cincinnati on Twitter a couple of hours ago sums it up. On average, Ohio loses eighteen hundred to the seasonal flu yearly. So far, five hundred and seven Ohioans have lost their lives to the coronavirus. Experts said a month ago that 18,000 Ohioans would die. America was shut down on expert opinions that have not actually happened. End of end of situation for me. You know, you got these projections. We need to learn our lessons in the future about reacting to shutting the state down with five cases, you know, uh, 100,000, you know, a health director saying 100,000 people are going to get sick, 10,000 per day, we're going to really be in the middle of it. We flattened the curve, we've given the hospitals, you know, a month and a half to build capacity. And they're still empty. And the curve is flattened, we've done our job, you cannot continue to have a lockdown, because it was never about stopping the spread of the virus. It was about allowing hospitals' time to build capacity for when the, the surge would come and, and ensuring that, it w- we, that they were able to handle the capacity as best as they could. And now all of these boxes have been checked off in the positive. The big spike never happened. The curve got flattened. The capacity has been built there. It, it to this point, is, is no one is overstrained. And the models were wrong, completely wrong. And they were not wrong because people did this massive, wonderful thing, even though that they did. They were more wrong because there's a lot about this that we didn't know because of a lack of testing and and, and uh, herd immunity and the fact that a lot of people have had this for a long time and may not have known about it and a bunch of other scientific stuff beyond that that I'm not even sure. Bottom line is, we shut this place down on expert opinions and they have not actually happened. And we've got to get over the fear of turning the juice back on. We have to do it responsibly, no doubt about it, because it's still out there and there is not a vaccine. So we have to take measures. But when you're looking at an economy where a million people in one state no longer have a job and are gonna be on unemployment, you know, t- Eric, here's something out there for the listeners. Go talk to a dentist. Honestly, call up your dentist if you can get if you have their personal number because they're not in their office. Ask them how they're doing because I'm here to tell you, my spies tell me, dentists around the state are really, dentists are really taking it hard. And along with a lot of other people, you know, uh, th- there could be 3,000 restaurants in this state of Ohio alone closed down and never reopened. That, could, that is at least... You know, between ten and fifteen percent of all restaurants in the state could be shuttered completely forever. Dentists are taking it hard. Hair salon people. We all know the the other, and we all know the people that are going to work and providing us the the things that we need. You know, the truck drivers, the delivery people, uh, the doctors, the nurses, of course. Uh, but all those those um, people that are middle-class, blue-collar folks that are out there risking their lives, they're, they're on the front line too. And all of these people now are victims in some degree or another by the hype, by the fear that was put in because we went out there and told everybody that two to four million people are going to die if we don't stay at home. What would you do if somebody told you that? I'll tell you what I would do. I'm putting on a mask and I'm staying home but it, di- it never came true. Right. And I don't blame, I don't think there was any sinister plot. I don't think there was any conspiracy theory. I don't believe in any of that in this case. I believe good people were trying to, to do good and protect people and the right thing. And now is the situation where it's time to, yes, listen to the scientists and the health experts, but also if you want to say you're following the science and following the data, then let's follow the science and
0: follow the data. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, science will change day to day, minute to minute. um, And, well, I just saw something on Twitter. Trump says, in light of, here, hold on, let me read this in light of the attack from the invisible enemy as well as the need to protect the jobs of our great american citizens i will be signing executive order to temporarily suspend immigration into the united states so that's a little breaking news here what what do you think about that <laughs>
1: mean if we're if we're trying to get things under control here why would we be encouraging people to come into this country uh during the middle of a pandemic when maybe we don't know their medical background you know it's right. logical to I me mean, though i'm sure that they will this will be sued there will be some crack pipe Obama judge, some district judge that his territory is about ten counties. That's going to shut it down for the entire mm. country, and there'll be another delay like there always is. Uh, but to me, uh, it, you know, if we're shutting schools down, if we're shutting businesses down, if we're telling people to stay home uh, except for some prisoners, uh, we then why should we be letting people into this country right now?
0: Yeah, I. I think you know every immigrant that came through Ellis Island at, had to undergo extensive medicine or medical testing before they could come into the country and some Well they were not even allowed on the way. They, they were
1: on the they were on the boat they get off yeah. the boat they're still on the island they go through screening they do medical screening and other screening All right there. And if you failed, if you're sick, if you don't if there's some question about your ability to work and your uh, motivation for being here or your health, they turned you around and you got back on the ship and went back.
0: Right. And, you know, and I don't see why we shouldn't shut down immigration until we can get those uh, procedures in place on our borders at our legal crossings. And then from there, um, you know, of course, keep shutting down the illegal traffic. But, you know, everybody that comes into the U.S. should, if they don't already, go through uh, a medical test to see if they're healthy. And if they're not, they need to get sent back. So any final thoughts on this? I think we've covered as much as we can yeah, in one I just, hour. You know,
1: I, I continue to be optimistic that the country's going to come back from this. I think we can all be good citizens and, uh, you know, take the advice of the elected leaders. You know, uh, I don't think we need to overreact and, and, you know, start making claims that our civil liberties are being, you know, stolen away from us, and we live under tyrannical rule right now. I mean, um, we're being definitely inconvenienced, and we definitely have some uh, d- tough decisions to make to get to get the economy back going again, which is what we have to do. Uh, but um, uh, we need to be level-headed about it, and uh, and and you know, kind of take it from a, you know, we're in it, we're in this together sort of mindset and just be respectful and you know uh, if we need to adjust and and, 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 you know go from there we certainly can and for those that want to protest and air their grievances recognize that that's their
0: right and I respect that
1: I just hope that people would put a mask on
0: (laughs) yeah 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 I think you know this is all
1: I think maybe it stopped on us, Big John. Well, in the event that it, it didn't, and we're still going.
0: Oh. Yes. Okay, are we back now? Okay. I was messing with a different app and get, must have got some wires crossed. But well, what I was saying is, you know, we've, we're learning from this for the future, Um, It's brought us together as people, and I think we just need to remember, you know, just because somebody doesn't look sick doesn't mean that they're not sick, Um, and we got to keep our guard up for a while longer, but we're going to come through all this, and maybe this will be another uh, smallpox, another polio, where 50 years from now, it's completely forgotten. And uh, we'll be on our way to you know, a better nation, better world. And uh, we need to find who is responsible for this in the first place and get them punished and deal with China. But we need to do, help and pray for one another. And uh, with that, have a good night. Thanks for joining me and I'll see you guys the next time on the panel.